Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Hi, welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here today with Sam Feeney. And Sam, I met through a Facebook group that we have for Christian Podcasts. And the reason why I invited Sam to come talk to us today is because I had been thinking lately, you know, we've talked about different kinds of counseling, different kinds of coaching, whether that's a pastoral counseling or a life coaching, different kinds of ways that you can get people to help. And I had been thinking in my mind, you know, we should have somebody come and talk about careers. And then Sam had this post, hey, I've written this book, I'm a Christian author, and I've written this book called The Career Factors. And so, Sam, welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. Thanks. I'm glad I could fill a, a missing piece in yeah, your offerings. <laughs> it was exactly the right timing. That's great. This is something that I have been thinking about. And then when, as we were messaging, you said, you know, people having career satisfaction, that's a big impact on their mental mm -hmm. health. And I was like, you're right. I hadn't really considered that as part of this episode, but I'm really excited for you to come and talk to us about, first of all, who are you? How did you get mm -hmm. into this field and why does it matter to you? So let's start with that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, my name's Sam. I live outside of uh, Denver uh, with my wife and my five kids, uh, ages uh, 13 down to four-year-old twins. Um, and that's how we got to five. <laughs> Would have been four, right? <laughs> Main, it was supposed to be a girl and there are two more boys. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, but uh, I was 20 years an English teacher and a school counselor. And uh, one of the, my classes, I had my master's degree in school counseling was about career development, which I didn't even know was a thing. I thought you just, you just stumbled into it. But uh, there is a whole, you know, coaching and, and, and counseling uh, silo with, within uh, that just studies careers and how people form them. And I, I was hooked. Mm -hmm. um, and so for about 10 years, I worked with students on choosing careers, uh, being able to uh, be able to make career decisions, trying try to give them some tools that after they left my office and they graduated, they'd be able to, to figure out, can navigate this life. Um, and I went through a lot of career angst myself. Uh, and so um Fast forward to 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 today, uh, I now have a, a career coaching company. I wrote the book called The Career Factors, and it's all stuff that I've tried on myself. Mm -hmm. uh, I worked through and actually found it worked a lot better. Not not better in a way like it's not helpful to students, but it, it, it adults get it. I mean they they're they have so much context around working right. that it's it's only a 120 page book because adults know like okay, boom boom boom. Got it. I know. I, I know how to take these next steps. Yeah. And so, uh, something I'm very passionate about uh, because I think when things are going well at work, we're better able to parent, be a husband or a wife, uh, give more of ourselves uh, because we've got some left over from work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking that as you were talking, um, maybe even before we hit record, 
I was one of those students who thought, well, to have a good career, you go to a good college and you do well mm. in the college and then ta-da, magically you will have a good career. And when I got, I, I went to Stanford and so I really felt like, well, I can do whatever I need to do yeah. because I have yeah. this fancy paper. And when I got out, I could not find a job. And mm. I started working in a bakery for $8 an hour. I mean, back when minimum wage was $8, you know? <laughs> and I got up at the butt crack of dawn every morning to go sell pastries to people, thinking what has gone wrong in my life that I graduated from Stanford and now I'm doing this. And, yes. you know, I love the career that I have now, but it took a lot of development and a lot of different steps to get to where I'm at. So. Talk to me a little bit more about people who, you know, maybe haven't thought that much about their career um, or don't know how to coach their kids into a career. Sure. Yeah. And there's a lot of different ways to look at this. I think we start kind of with a, a particular premise. We're given it by our family or by those around us of what work is. Yeah. And so I remember this when I, I really just felt... Uh, uh, unrest at, at work. Like there's gotta be for me, like there's something more. And my number one career factor is impact. There's six career factors. My number one's impact. Mm -hmm. And my impact is not, which yours may be just because therapists often are yours may be like deep transformational change with a few clients, uh, you know, over a few months. Mm -hmm. And mine is systems and scale. Like I want to, I want to, I want to break it down and, and build it back up again, you know? And so uh, but I was very limited because I was in a system that was not interested in changing all that much. Right. Um, and so I, I was kind of like banging my head against the wall, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. And so uh, when I think about, you know, where people are in that is, you know, well, some people, when they heard my discontent, they're like, well, shouldn't you just be grateful that you have a job and, yeah. you know, you're like, you're living indoors and your kids are eating food and all that. And like, okay. So for <laughs> them, career is just, the lowest levels of Maslow's hierarchy. It's just survive. It's just meet your physiological needs. Mm -hmm. And others would say, Hey, it's work. It's supposed to be lousy. Like mm -hmm. what, what do you expect from it? And I, and that's, that's kind of, I felt kind of like a whiny, like brat, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> should I just like be okay? Should I not feel this way about it? But there are so many people who do. And I, I knew when I kept, when I would talk to them, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm onto something because it doesn't have to be this way. And that was just, it took me a while to get to that. But for somebody who is feeling this way, I first want to say it's okay. And it's, yeah. it's probably normal uh, that you are feeling the way you're feeling, even though others around you aren't. And that took me a while to get used to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I notice as I look around at friends and family members, and there's some people who can take just the smallest idea and turn it into a profitable business. And there, there's others that seem like, gosh, if I wasn't doing the thing that I've gone to college to do, I don't know what I would do. I have no other ideas, you know? <laughs> you know, and so it's different, like different people develop that differently. But I, I have wished that there was somebody to kind of walk alongside and say, hey, if you weren't doing this, could you do this? Like, how would you use your gifts or your passions in that way? So why don't you tell us about what are the career factors? Sure. And I actually want to lead in with one thing that's different. I think it's a paradigm shift that a lot of people need. There is an upcoming book 
called mm-hmm. the Career Factors for Students, okay. uh, which I hope I'm hoping for a June one uh, release of. So I'm going to give you a, some some a little bit of a, a preview of that. Great. But the difference that that the track that you and I took, which was, you know, go to school, you know, get into try to get into a school that would impress people you haven't met yet, mm-hmm. which is the exact that was the only <laughs> criterion I used mm-hmm. to to go to college. Uh, but the career part, I was faced with the the daunting challenge of what I call career selection mm. when I was in high school. Okay. And it what it does in effect is it forces you to hit a particular spot on a dartboard. Mm-hmm. And then that's where you got to go. Yeah. What I teach, especially students, but I, I actually teach the adults this because I need to kind of reframe and kind of break that mold a little bit. I teach career direction instead. Okay. And what I say is, think about these, if I if I choose, I'm going to be a doctor, okay? And I choose that with a career selection mindset. If something happens and in third semester of college, I hit organic chemistry and I realize I am not going to be a doctor, okay? Mm-hmm. All right? Uh, the exact same. It was the first semester, but yeah, that happened to me. I was going to be a doctor. Okay. okay. So go. <laughs> I If I'm career selection minded, I have an existential crisis where I have to go back to zero mm-hmm. and start all the way over. What I teach students in particular, students in high school or students in college, is how to how to use career direction as a mindset for being a doctor. Okay. And then what I teach them with the career factors is how do you pick your compass points? Okay. So if I know I'm going to be a doctor because I'm traveling north by northwest, and I'm traveling north by northwest because of these two or three career motivators that are internally driven, I hit organic chemistry and I sidestep to another related field that still fuels the things that make me tick in far, as far as my career. And I don't even blink. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm on and I'm probably excited because I don't have to pay for as much school. So <laughs> yeah. that, that difference in mindset will free you up. And I remember so well when I would, when I would coach kids on this as a, a school counselor, I said, mm-hmm. some people are going to ask you, Hey, what do you want to do after high school? And they're like, yeah, like it's like this 35 year question. They've got to get right. Right. Because you only ever have one job, right? Like what? Are, I don't know. These paradigms well, are operating. You right? used to, right? That used right, That's to what I'm saying. It. Right. You don't like it's not. So mm-hmm. I just say, hey, what do you want to do next? And man, you should see the relief. Like, oh, yeah, I, I, I might actually be able to answer that question as a kid or or even now when I, when I coach adults. Like, oh, this isn't drying cement that I have to make a decision on mm-hmm. this is something i can i can work with and 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 mold to my own and and so my buddy and i he who does the career coaching for students with me chris we talk about from whatever point we are let's say you're in california and you want to head east yeah if you head east and you stop in arizona you've still headed east if you stop in kansas you've still headed east you're not, you're not thinking, oh, if I don't get to that other coast, yeah, I, I've messed up. Mm-hmm. And it just allows people to think differently about that. So that's just, I wanted to throw that in there because I think people come into career coaching with broken paradigms. Right. And they will then quickly revert to them once we're done. If they right. don't kind of break that mold first and think, wait, I've been thinking about jobs all wrong because mm-hmm. I thought I, if I didn't do this one that I that I messed up. And, you know, that's only 40 years of guilt you got to carry with you. That's not fun, <laughs> right? So anyway, I, I'll, I'll give you career factors in a second, but I just want to make sure that makes sense 
to you yeah, if you had no, a question on that. I'm totally that student that you're talking about because I did. I went in with a pre-med mm -hmm. direction. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be an OBGYN. I'd, I'd wanted to do that since I was 13 and I got into college and I just really hadn't had the good preparation in chemistry in high school. And so I was just lost, you know? And so then after that first semester, I just... I was back to the drawing board. Like you said, I'm at zero. So, but you're I, on the clock, like the meter is yeah. running and you're, and you're major. back to zero, yeah. right? You've, you're yeah. paying for college Yeah. while you have to like, it's, it's the decisions that made it, that, that's made at that point is to quickly select another career. Right. And it becomes the one that's at hand. Right. Often instead of, okay, like, can I call a timeout on this thing or have enough of a, of a runway to choose mm -hmm before I'm starting to pay for school. And it's this is why awesome. I was a sociology major. Because <laughs> yes. I didn't know what, like, what are, what am I going to be a sociologist as a, as an adult? Like, that's not, I mean, there's academic sociologists and all that stuff, but that was not like an actual career path for me. It was just something like, I need a major that's going to get me through this bachelor's program. Mm -hmm. And then I'm just going to have to go to grad school and grad school is going to be where I figure it out. Right. <laughs> I, it, we can shake our heads at it because it is such a common story. Yeah. And it's because of the way that people approach the career development part. And even if you get through, uh, you can still be on a good path. But, you know, I, I just turned 45. So I'm thinking in like for me, instead of midlife crisis, I'm loving a career reinvention. Yeah. It's a ton of fun because I get to control it yeah. instead of. Like I'm realizing, wait, I, I, I have agency in this situation. I can do something about this because I chose this path. Yeah. And so it's cool to be able to shake it up. Um, you can reinvent yourself in your career whenever you want. Yeah. Well, okay. Give us the career factors. All right. So career factors, basically how these are born is um, when we start looking at what made a good career or not a good career. Mm -hmm. It basically came down to one or two things, which is going to be something around, can you, are you competent? Can you do the thing that you've been hired to do mm -hmm. and how much you get paid? Right. And for a long time, including till today, the employers are still compensating employees just using those, those two factors. And so um, in doing research and, and frankly, studying cranky people uh, at work, which is where I got a lot of my best material. Yeah. Um, I realized that there were, there were more and they were, and that they were more nuanced. And so two of the career factors fit into that, which is skills and lifestyle because lifestyle is the intersection of time and money. Mm -hmm. But there are, there are four others that uh, we don't talk as much about. And then there are, and in particular, the way that we talk about them, which is, is what differentiates it, uh, is does my work have impact? Mm -hmm. Do I have meaningful relationships at work? Mm -hmm. uh, is my working environment conducive to my best work? Whatever that might be. And then the one that most people overlook is am I able to grow as a result of this work? Mm, yeah. And so those are the six. And so I have a free uh, assessment we can link to stuff, but you can go in and just take it and find out what your... Uh, primary one is, and I, I tend to think three of the six are your main drivers. Okay. So after people go and they take the assessment and they can read the book as well, and then you have a coaching program as well, right? right. Okay. Yep. Tell us about how that works. The coaching program is four sessions and it's about 45 minutes to an hour each layered in with activities. Okay. And at the outset, we're looking for do you want to increase your job satisfaction where you are in effect? 
do you want to stop hating your job? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you want to be happier in general? Yeah. Or are you looking to make a career change? Because that, and that'll shape how we go. Uh, Some people are expecting one. Uh, I just talked to a friend of mine the other day and his dad is, is heading into retirement, Mm -hmm. but isn't done being active. You know, he, so he wants to say like, I'm rewriting this next chapter of my life. I'm writing the next chapter of my life. Pardon me. Mm -hmm. What do I want it to look like? Um, in particular, I would say there are a few types of people. And if, uh, I just had a a call with one today, uh, earlier today is he's about to take his third job and he's 26 and he knows like, okay, I I can only do this for so long. If I'm job hopping enough, if it's like, if you're in a bad relationship consistently, it might be you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I just say that from experience. Uh, but, um, So in the same way, if you're job hopping, there are some strategic advantages to doing it, but not if you're not doing it strategically. Right. Um, So uh, we walk through that, that it's four sessions and then you get two SOS calls for whenever after that, but we walk through it and it's, it's supposed to deliver results that quickly in four weeks. You're you're either going to like your current job more, or you'll be prepared to move on to the next one with a full interview prep rewrite your resume on LinkedIn. Like we're in it. Uh, I have two, two, uh, of my very good friends. We're, we're teaming together on this. One guy was talent acquisition for 10 years. One guy's been a, a career coach, uh, as well, uh, as an educator for a long time. So we're, right. we're putting together something that's going to be very, um, you're going to be able to, to, to act on those outcomes very quickly and, yeah. and in the program. And, and so I'm excited about it. Yeah. If you've listened to the Soul Grit podcast for even one episode, you know my guests and I believe that when we integrate the power of God with the wisdom of modern psychology, we get supercharged healing, change, and growth in counseling. As a Christian therapist, however, I realize that there are many practitioners out there who are personally Christians but don't know how to integrate their faith into their counseling practices. That's why I created the e-course, Faith Integration for Therapists. In this premium five-module course, therapists who love Jesus will learn everything from understanding their calling to marketing their practices to Christians to adapting evidence-based interventions to honor our faith. You can learn more about the online course at www.soulgritresources.com courses and send an email to info at soulgritresources.com to receive a discount code. So when you were a school counselor, I'm sure you dealt with some mental health stuff, but you're the one, you brought it up to me. I I wasn't even thinking about this, but that when you're not satisfied with your job or you're not unhappy with your job, like that has a big impact on your mental health. So what do you see with maybe people that come through your coaching program or just what you've noticed over these last decades of developing this? Like what happens in our mental health around our careers? I I think again, it, it, one of the one of the theories I talk about in my book is actually a behavioral economics theory is called the jobs to be done theory. Okay. And it's one of my favorites because once I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is everywhere, but we don't we never named it. In okay. effect, it says in behavioral economics, it says if whatever you buy, let's say we both have fancy pants microphones, right? Whatever you buy, you're buying to do a job for you. Mm-hmm. And so I extend that to say your you are hiring your career to do a job for you. Sure. Those needs unmet create a, at minimum a desire 
but usually frustration. And the hardest part where this comes in is because very few of us actually know what we're hiring our jobs to do for us. Mm. And that's what we do through the, through the career factors okay. coaching program. And you can do I, the, the book is, I mean, just get the book. Like every chapter has a story, the research and theory behind it, and then an activity. So it's, it's kind of meant to say, hey, if you're a DIYer, just do, go do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm happy to help if I can. Um, but we go through and we say like, you've, you've got to write a job description for your job. And that sounds so goofy, mm-hmm. but it's, a, it's, it's bringing to the surface and consciousness and awareness of what you're really wanting. And if you think about it in a relationship metaphor, if you want something from your husband or your wife, but you don't tell them and they don't give it to you and you're mad at them, that's on you <laughs> because you've never told them. Right. So that brings up there's this constant unrest and, and, you know, disease is disease. It's, you're just not, you're feeling unsettled a lot of the time. And so um, you see this uh, Gallup is phenomenal at uh, their surveys for workplace, everything. There are connections between uh, employee engagement and well-being are uh, just, they, they've got data for years on it, literally, uh, on how that connection, how well-being, I think, is the shortest distance between, or sorry, career is the shortest distance between your well-being improving and where you are right now, mm. if you can, if you could turn that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a huge deal. It shows up in a lot of mm-hmm. other areas of our life. Yeah. I kind of wonder if it's like a chicken and egg situation. Like Mm. what I deal with mostly is anxiety and depression and think that's across the board with most Americans. If you're going to go see a counselor, it's going to be that or relationships, you know? So I kind of wonder is an underlying depression or anxiety causing problems at work or this, like what you're saying, not identifying and, and improving your situation at work causing anxiety and depression, you know? Yeah. I I think one of the, one of the key components that I build in my coaching program is a sense of agency. And I think that's one of the keys to being able to, to battle depression because depression feels like I'm, I'm, I'm I'm drowning. And I earlier was just walking around, like (laughs) all of a sudden I'm walking (laughs) to an ocean that I don't, I can't find my way out. Uh, And your metaphors are I'm sure much better, but anyway, that's okay. Um, I like it. Yeah. All right. Can't breathe. Uh, but it, it's so external. And so what I, what I help my coaching clients do is internalize at least a very small part of it. And so let's say your number one, uh, career factors relationships and, but for you work is, is lousy. So we bring back to the surface, Hey, you've got this one that for you, according to the diagnostic mm-hmm. is really high. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you could do to foster a, a better relationship with one person at work this week, mm-hmm. probably, <laughs> right? And then it, and then celebrating a series of small wins. How like how are we extending? And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I've gone from I feel like I have no agency over my career satisfaction to I've got like twenty or thirty percent in this one particular area. Yeah, that actually feels pretty good. Yeah, and so it's not a you know. It's, it's not a, a, you know, this one thing, it's not this one pill. It is a way to re-see mm. work, re-see yourself in work, and then to be able to walk toward a, a fully whole and, and healthful being uh, mm. through the process. 
Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. My husband's a teacher and my parents were both teachers and I, a lot of my clients are also educators, you know, <laughs> and so I kind of understand that world as well. And I always mm -hmm. think about this concept of scaffolding, how in, in education you're building on something, you, the building bricks are small, but you're building so yes. that you can reach higher concepts, right? And I think the same applies in a counseling setting where we have to have some of those small wins like you're talking about where we're building confidence or we're building agency or we're mm -hmm. building a, just a, a glimmer of light maybe yes so that right. you can continue to build up to the higher levels of that scaffold yeah it's so important and, and, and as i've talked about a little bit one of the things i want to be able to shine the light on is is what they've been scaffolded on so far mm -hmm. um, with my today was a, a conversation with a, a first timer. So I asked questions around what were the message that you, messages you got about career from your family, from school, yep. you know, and, and what's interesting about it too, is this was another, like, like you and I, he did great in school. Mm -hmm. Well, if you think back to Carol Dweck's work on mindset, mm -hmm. that sometimes is a curse because it means right. you're not allowed to do bad, right? right. Uh, you, you can't do, or, or you, you've got to stay in a lane of where you're, you've always been competent. So branching out to something new and not knowing if you introduce the idea of failure, like, oh, I can't do that, mm -hmm. even though that might bring career happiness. Mm -hmm. And so finding, you know, what, what, what foundation you're currently have built your career on is a good one to think about. And so mm -hmm. that way I know which sacred cows to kill on the whole, I know, I know what were my real, yeah, where the works are going to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Sam, as a person of faith, how would you say our Christian faith informs this work that you're doing in this area? This is one I'm really trying to figure out. I'm trying to think through, uh, because if you talk to, to Christians, it's everything from, you know, career is calling to career is the curse, you know, it's in, in all points in between it's, you know, this is, you know, this is the result of the fall that we have to work or we're on this ball of mud to do God's work. Like, mm -hmm. but it, so, so basically anything South of ministry is not redeemable. Like, so anyway, I'm, I'm still working through a bunch of this stuff, but I think, and I even put this in my acknowledgements in my book. And um, my last acknowledgement is to God. And I'll just read it real quick. Cause okay. um, I like how I wrote it. Uh, I'm above all, I'm grateful to God whose gift of vocation often shows up in our careers. And uh, so yeah. I want, I want in this, in our calling, I don't think it's always, you know, mm -hmm. whatever your job is, is the thing, but I think it can be a way that we express the thing that, mm -hmm. that God has, has created us for. So that's what I really want is we devote so much of our waking hours to a career. Mm -hmm. I would love to have it be where we can be that city on a hill, like the, yeah. the location of it, or, um, Gay Hendricks talks in his book, The Big Leap, about the zone of genius. Well, that's put there by God. <laughs> so where are we using our our skills and and um and our passions to the highest and best use? Yeah. Um, I think the closer we get to that, the closer we get in alignment with mm -hmm. uh, the the works that God created us for. Yeah. You know, I I listen frequently to Tim Keller's sermons on the Gospel mm. and Life podcast. And, you know, he he was preaching to Manhattan, you know, like this is a center of work in our 
our American culture, right? Mm -hmm. People go there not because they want to have a beautiful life raising kids in the city. They go there because they have work goals and that's the place where you can make them a reality, you know? And so he's preaching to people in that context of like, work is my primary focus. And uh, he has a lot to say about how actually work was there present before the fall. <laughs> it just, it was good work. It was pleasant. Mm -hmm. It was fulfilling. You know, it wasn't till after that it was toil, you know. Right. And so how how do you redeem that? That every kind of job, every honorable job is honorable. There's mm -hmm. dignity in all of the work. And so I would encourage if listeners are you know, struggling with some of these issues, like, of course, I'm going to advise that you get Sam's book and learn about the career factors and maybe even go through the coaching program. But I'd also encourage you to look at that theology of work. I mean, I mentioned mm -hmm. Tim Keller, there are other preachers that are talking about how work is redeemed. This is a really big part of who we are and why we're here. And so, um, Sam, you mentioned to me earlier that you know, sometimes when you're approaching someone and you want to talk about deeper things, like talking about their faith or talking about their marriage or something like that might be like eh, kind of deep, scary waters. Of course, that's what I do all day. So I'm comfortable <laughs> with it. But like, that's how you know they're deep in scary waters. <laughs> like, what have I done? <laughs> if a therapist wants to do it, then it's probably scary. No, uh, so that has its place in, in my counseling office. But mm -hmm. what you said was that you can talk to people about their careers as a really easy entry point to be able to talk like because everybody's gonna either want to complain about their jobs complain about their <laughs> boss or tell you what great thing they're doing next in their job you know mm -hmm. so it is a point of connection for people whether that's you're wanting to connect because of because you're motivated by your faith or because you just love people and hopefully it's both, you know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. And, and to be able to kind of have your own ideas of work and your own, like it, it's one of the easiest things to get into the, you know, one, I only talk about work, right. Cause I'm a guy. It's like, I'll talk about work for my kids, you know, if they're playing sports, right. but the other part of it is like, I, to bring up something that's going well at work, can't, you know, there, there's that particularly in, in, in certain settings, you know, the, the tendency is to go downhill, you know, and like, oh, well, this and this and this and, you know, the whole thing. So it's interesting to, to note that where you see, you know, all the different parts of our lives, some, most of them are one degree removed. Like you don't get a, to change, to talk very often, even like I lead a small group of church, like even in our small group, it's usually kids job. And, and we're just keeping there. But, you know, when we get a chance to have dinner with friends, we can actually dig in a little bit deeper and, and go there. But yeah, the career part is is one of the things that we'll most readily offer. Mm -hmm. And it's it's fun to see that part. And that's, that's actually kind of like a a sneaky way that I'm trying to help people and get into and get into their lives. Not only does does career bleed into so many other areas of our of our lives, but it's also uh, the the invitation most readily extended to someone is, Hey, I'll, I'll talk to you about my career. You know, I'm willing to admit that I'm not happy at my job. Um, we do that. We check that box and then we can say, Hey, you know, we've, is there something more? Can we, can we dig deeper? Yeah. Is there something else that we can help with? And, and so, uh, that's a kind of like a pet project mission I'm on, uh, particularly with, with dads, uh, to be able to, to say, Hey, your career is affecting your ability to parent well, yeah. uh, to be the example for your kids that you want to be. So let's take tackle that first. And then maybe we talk about parenting. I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, say more about that real quick, because how do you think yeah. for a dad, if he's not loving his career, he's not doing well in his career, like how is that affecting his parenting? Well, and unfortunately, generationally, what we pass on to our kids, like example is permission. Okay. And if my kid sees me do, that's when I left my job about two years ago, uh, because I wanted to be able to tell my kids, you can do whatever you want. Mm. You can live, you can make choice, like you are in control. Okay. And I know, particularly my oldest, who's 13, their meter on whether or not you're telling them the truth is real high. <laughs> and yeah. so I can give them some messages about what I, what I've been given as far as what career is, mm -hmm. but if I'm not willing to live it out and I think that's where I start and I've seen this in a lot of dads, I start to lose that credibility with my kids mm -hmm. fastest because it's the thing where, okay, you're going to tell me to do the X, Y, and Z. How's that going for you? Yeah. Why would you tell me to do the same thing you just did? And again, like I'm, I'm, that's why I'm trying to, to really shake up the way people think about this stuff so that we can say, hey, this is a path I went down. Maybe that wasn't the best. Here's a new way to think about it. That, yeah. that maybe even I've had this before with working with students and the parents are like, Hey, I'm about ready for a reset. You know, can yeah, we, yeah. can we do what you're doing with my kid as well? And it's, it's fun to see that, um, the, the reawakened energy of it. Um, I have a story about that real quick. If you, if you got a minute. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I had a student, uh, in ninth and 10th grade, not, you know, just normal average, whatever 11th grade started kind of acting out by 12th grade, I think January by of January of his senior year, he had been arrested for selling drugs. He had stolen a car. He had like, it was just off the rails. And this is some kids just always do that. So you're like, okay, <laughs> but this kid came like he went from zero to 60 pretty quick. Okay. So we had him come in uh, the assistant principal and I, and his parents just to address the school behaviors. So we're like, you're going to get locked up out there. Like that's not our thing, but we got to talk about some of the school stuff and just said, like, what happened? Like, what's going on? And he said, every day I see my parents go to work, they come home, they eat dinner, they watch TV, they go to bed and they do the same thing the next day. Mm -hmm. I figure I've got until maybe I'm 25 until that's me. Mm -hmm. So I may, may as well have fun now. Wow. And I'm like that one great self-awareness Two, is that what my kid's going to think about me? Like I, that can't, that can't be it. Mm -hmm. And that really, that guy is always running through my mind. <laughs> What's he get? What would he say about my life right now? Yeah. And so that's just been that charge for me. Again, I started with where we got, like, that's always been this, like this internal, like something, there's gotta be something more. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of the stories that led me to say, I, I've got to go find those other people who feel that way and say, Let's do it differently. Yeah, that's great. What are some of the resources that you would point out to people? I mean, of course, I said we're going <laughs> to buy your book. And then what else are you using like to inform that? Yeah, I, I think uh, kind of to your you know, kind of the the theme of your podcast, I, I think it's it's taking time. Um, my pastor just, I think, two weeks ago talked about he kind of like a throwaway line probably for him. But he's like, did you realize that God didn't speak to Moses until from the burning bush until he turned aside and that we don't do a lot of turning aside. Mm. And I think that's why 
I've been able to, I'm not great at it, but I've been able to lean into that unrest and not think of it as a bad thing that needs to be quelled. Um, but so I would just say, grab a journal, <laughs> That's like a resource, something that's blank, because you have a lot of thoughts that you need to pour out uh, around that. Um, yeah, mine are very practical, like start watching people who like their jobs okay. and and start just asking them, like interview, like interview them just as a, you know, you, hey, how'd you do this? Or like, you know, what, what do you like about what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the career factors assessment, as I said, it's free, uh, just the careerfactorsbook.com. And, uh, you can just go take it and find out for yourself and start to, like, I, I want you to craft a, a new way to look at work and have that lens. So you say, Oh, you know what? Mine's growth. I have not pursued growth at my job. I'll bet you and your HR manager will tell you there are millions <laughs> of them. They pay for them. They're just sitting there on the digital shelf collecting dust. Mm-hmm. There are so many opportunities for growth in your current job, but you just didn't know it. So finding out what that is, starting to unearth what really makes you tick at work mm-hmm. uh, is a big deal. Yeah, good. Okay, Sam. So, you know, I always ask people that interview with this whole group podcast, like, what are you doing for soul care? Uh one thing I did talk about journaling and I'm not, and I'm not going to talk about it because I don't do it as much as I should to fully endorse it, but it's awesome. <laughs> uh, one thing I actually have started doing is reading fiction at night because I was actually a former English teacher. I am a former English teacher. And after I stopped te- teaching English, I don't think I read a fiction book for like six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will still, so for me, it's either fiction or biography. Yeah. Um, I, I, a good story. Okay can help you connect and it can help you connect dots that a nonfiction book might not. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, that's a really easy one, but it's a great way for me to not be looking at my phone yeah. at night. Uh, Cause I don't read them on my phone. I'm still analog as much as I can be paper book. Um, yes. Oh, absolutely. It's the best. Um, okay. And, so uh, what, what, yeah. when you were an English teacher, what was your mm-hmm. favorite? And then what are you loving now? Uh what was my favorite? I mean, really? I mean, I read I read them all so many times. Yeah. But they all they all fell out of favor for me. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, here's here's what I loved was I would I loved every Friday, especially my seniors, we would do a journal topic that was related to it. Okay. And we very rarely got to the book those days uh-huh. because it was something about like well, I remember one like we when I was teaching Hamlet and it was just write about write five minutes about your relationship with your dad let's go. And then we just, we just get into it. And so when you teach English with a master's degree in counseling, it is a lot of fun. So I would say, you know, like, uh, my, one of my favorite books all time is my losing season by Pat Conroy. Okay. Talks about his basketball career at the Citadel. And, uh, I coached basketball and, uh, is just raw and real and very, very good. So that's okay. So that's not even fiction. That's biography. Uh, <laughs> okay. Dang it. I wish I would have had this, this question <laughs> so I could give you the, the right answer, whatever okay. that is. Um, and I'll tell you uh, a current favorite book that I will throw in my resources list that I forgot, uh, but is the thing that actually got me on this whole career journey to begin with. It's uh, Let Your Life Speak by Parker Palmer. Okay. It's super short, six chapters. Even the chapter four, which is about how to deal with depression, doesn't feel like it fits until you read the whole thing. You're like, oh my gosh, this... Uh, okay 
it's a gem. So uh, that set me off on my my career development journey, uh, and is uh, is a go to uh, when I'm thinking through how do I how do what do I really want to help people do? I want to help them let their life speak because yeah. it's already it's already speaking. I'm not giving you anything new. I'm not in, putting new info in. I'm putting you in new ways for you to see what you already have at hand. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's really great. I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> Do it. It's it's great. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Okay, good. Well, um, tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. Yeah, I mean, the easiest place, given all the stuff we're talking about, is just thecareerfactorsbook.com. And that'll give you a link to the, the, the assessment. You can go take the assessment without buying the book. Uh, and you'll get a, after you do the assessment, you'll get a, uh, a free 15 minute coaching call with me. So just to walk through your results, what the heck does this mean? What do I do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, I like hanging out on LinkedIn otherwise, cause I'm doing work with companies on how to help them really change their culture using these things. All right. So we'll put those links in the show notes so people can find you there and hopefully you get some good connections for listeners here because like like we've been saying your your faith matters your mental health matters mm-hmm. and your career is a big window into all of that so it, it's a it's a crazy way to see how career is where your faith and your identity show up yeah in a lot of ways um and so i love what you're doing uh with this stuff because it it is that the soul of it it does matter yeah that's great well thanks for being here sam great seeing you The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at Soul Grit Resources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.